Welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Vasavi Kumar. If you're eager to gain clarity, speak with unwavering confidence, and liberate those inner voices, you're in the perfect spot. My mission here is to empower you to break free, find fulfillment, and ignite your passion. You ready? It's time to say it out loud. I've put together a guide of my top 10 tested and proven to work practical strategies and habits to help bright women like you say no, set your boundaries right, live confidently, and build healthy relationships, starting with the relationship you have with yourself. This is a self-paced guide, and I can't wait for you to dig into it so you can start becoming your most confident self because she's in there waiting for you. Head to the link in my show notes or go to vasavikumar.com forward slash guide and grab it today. I think especially people dealing with trauma and grief and addiction, you know, that often we lose, we can lose some of that center. We can lose that feeling for really caught up in the negative cycles, the feeling that we have agency and that feeling of really following our true, our true values or our, our real, you know, following who we are and what we really love and what we feel like is our purpose in life. So I'm often just trying to help people come back to that through a creative lens in some way, whether it's that they're an artist and how do you be more dedicated and pure to your creative life, or they're not necessarily an artist, but they're that they have the capacity to be more um, creative in the way they're thinking. One of the things that I had to learn quick and I didn't learn it quickly, was that the opposite of addiction wasn't really sobriety. I mean, that's one avenue to take to really get to the other side of being addicted to drugs and alcohol. But the cure for addiction is connection. And my guest today, Adriana Marchion, She's been involved in arts for over 30 years as a filmmaker, dancer, photographer, and she's internationally recognized in her work as a movement-based expressive arts therapist and educator. I am so fascinated when it comes to how mental health, substance abuse, alcoholism, and arts and crafts and creativity, how they're all blended together. I know that if you've ever considered stopping or cutting back on drinking or substance use or popping pills or whatever your drug of choice may be. By the way, that drug of choice can be anything, right? It can be shopping, it can be eating, it could be porn, it could be gambling, it could be work. And you're wondering like, okay, well, if you are asking me, or if I'm going to go down this road of not being addicted to this thing, whatever that thing is for you, right? For me, it was the you know, getting high through drugs and alcohol, you know, the natural question that you're going to have is like, well, what am I going to replace that with? Right. That was definitely one of the, the, the main issues that I had with getting sober. It's like, all right, well, I'm not going to be drinking and I'm not going to be using cocaine. Then what the fuck am I going to replace that with? Right. Because I had become so addicted to that feeling that I was, that I was certain that I could only get from cocaine. And that I was certain that I could only get from using, you know, uh, drinking alcohol and taking Xanax. And I was certain I could only get it from a relationship. I was certain that the only way that I could ever feel fulfilled was by being in a relationship, in a romantic relationship. And Adriana is uh, currently directing a film 
called The Creative High. I mean, I, 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 that, it, what a brilliant title, The Creative High, um, really, fe- which is a feature documentary which will be highlighting working artists who have faced addiction and the natural high of art making. So I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation today. And, you know, it's funny, every single woman that comes to me, that joins my community, that reaches out to me over on my Instagram. And, you know, we have a lot of in-depth conversations in our community, the Mind Your Own Business membership community. When I get to talking to my members one-on-one or even, you know, on our group calls that we have every month, three times a month, every single one of them are so creative. They have so much artistic, like, gifts just inherent to them, right? That they've maybe stopped doing or they want to get back to doing. And so this episode is especially for you. If you were that kid who used to paint growing up or used to draw, have your little sketchbook, or you just love making things beautiful, you love, you just get that natural high from art making. And maybe you've lost that. And maybe instead of, you know, painting and drawing and whatever your art form is, your creative high is, you started drinking more right? You've stopped playing music. You've you've stopped making music, making art, right? And so this episode is really for you. And I want you to know that you are not alone. The way that I got sober was by being a part of a community and by surrounding myself with people who may have had different struggles than I have, but we knew that feeling. We had a a shared feeling and, and that experience really bonded us. So if you're curious about joining a community, head on over and join the Mind Your Own Business membership community. More on that later. I definitely want you to listen to the episode first. Let let it stir something inside of you. And uh, I hope you enjoy today's episode and interview that I did with Adriana Marcian. Hello to my brilliant Being Human with Vasavi community. I'm your host, Vasavi Kumar, licensed therapist, confidence mindset expert, business strategist, and a first-generation Indian immigrant woman on a relentless mission to bring you simple and tangible actions and advice to help you step up your life and business. Get ready for unfiltered and unscripted conversations with some of the brightest and realest people I know in mental and emotional health, marketing, and business to help you get out of your head and get moving. I am super excited to share a few ways that you can work with me. You can learn more more about those at vasavikumar.com or on my Instagram page at my name is Vasavi. The first way to work with me is directly in a one-on-one VIP capacity. This is a very high-level, high-touch, personalized opportunity to dig deep with me by your side to excavate your limiting beliefs and work through whatever is stopping you from being, doing, and having anything you want. And you'll be taking a lot of action. The second way to learn from me and be surrounded by people who are committed to becoming the person they were born to be is through my membership community. Mind your own business. To join the community, head on over to VasaviKumar.com. And now it's time for another episode of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Adriana, thank you so much for being here. And I'm ready to really get into your approach when it comes to dealing with addiction, trauma, grief, using your creative healing approach. I have so many thoughts on this, but you're my guest today. So I want to hear really, first of all, when did you first realize that there was a connection between creativity and 
deepening our relationship with ourself and really connecting with ourselves on a deeper level. Hi there, Vasavi. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I'm happy just to jump right in with you. Um, I think, you know, it, it just, it, it was an evolving process for me. So I can't really land on like one specific moment, right? But uh, I started doing art. Well, I started, I think I was always creative and always doing things creatively as a kid. It was just a way, I, I grew up in my mom's side, very craftsy, and my dad was artistic. And so there was always, things that I would just, weird things, even like rug hooking, <laughs> things from the 70s, you know? And, and then as I got older and in my teens, I started doing photography. And I think for me, that was a way to explore, explore myself, like really learn how to document my life in some way, you know, and document my experiences. And then when I went to college, I, I decided to become an art major. And, and I started, I think really first it was more like political art. You know, I was inspired by a lot of artists that did things, um, a lot of photographers like Barbara Kruger. I don't know if you know who she is, but she does a lot of um, political art and statement art through her photography and collage work. And then um, Cindy Sherman, who does, who does self-portrait work. And she does all this, all these things about, kind of looking at identity of women and, you know, roles over time of women. And so I was really inspired in different ways and realized that art changed me. Art inspired me not only making it, but also receiving it. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about a lot lately is sometimes it's like people say, well, does art really, you know, when we're just trying to survive, we're just trying, especially now, we're just trying to get through, does art really matter? And I think about things like, I became a vegetarian when I was in college because I saw this photographer, no, this painter, who did all this work in, she would go into slaughterhouses and she painted what she saw. Mm. And I was so disturbed by the paintings and I never thought about it really before, where the, the meat came from, per se, you know? I was so disturbed that it was like cold turkey. I stopped eating meat for, I don't know, really, really long time. Now I'm still like half vegetarian, half, I don't, I still don't eat beef. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think about that art has such an impact. It reaches us in a different way. And so it, it started to just become in the fabric of my life that art was how I documented my experiences. And really when I got into recovery, which was a year when I was 24 years old, which was a while ago now is, um, that process of transformation and changing my life in that, in that really profound way um, eventually brought me to a different way of art making, but that took some time. So I think that, you know, that was like the catalyst for me of really looking at art as like a healing process. Mm -hmm. But before I think it was really about documentation and about political and, and making a statement in some way learning about myself and others. Was there ever a period of time, because I know you said you're in recovery, right? So how many years in recovery are you? I got sober in March, March 1st, 1993. Wow. <laughs> so I've been sober for 27 years. So During your addiction slash alcoholism, were you, were you still immersed in art during that time? Yes. 
Absolutely. I mean, it was really, it was just, it really came together for me being an artist and drinking. It was like a whole culture. It was like a whole culture that I, that I adhered to of, um, you know, my friends were really artsy and I, I would take pictures. I did this whole thing where I would like gather my friends and I, you know, we would have like, I remember we had this masked party once. It was part of my senior project and it was, you know, everybody was drinking. It was a big, it was a big party and I had everybody wear masks and I took pictures of it. And, uh, and, and so there was that thing about the struggling artists, sometimes the suffering artists, sometimes the artist that, you know, was on the fringes and, and lived a somewhat wild life. My life was not that wild, but, you know, it was definitely, uh, it, it was this identity that I, I really, I it appealed to me. And, and so drinking also, I mean, drinking was kind of how I was coping with life, but it also, and, and to me, it was really drinking. I was a drinker. I wasn't, I didn't really do drugs. Yeah. Did smoke some pot, but I hated it. It would always make me feel like I was extraterrestrial or something. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was very tied in. So I had to cut those ties when I got sober because I couldn't make art the way that I was making art. Couldn't do that anymore. It's, I love that you're, I love that. I love that even while you were still drinking, you still created art and you acknowledge the fact that once you stopped drinking, the kind of art that you created transformed in a way because you were in a completely sober state of mind. I remember when I used to use, it's so funny what, what our drug of choice or, or alcohol will tell us, you know, to, to keep us hooked. Because I remember when I used to use cocaine, I would say, I'm getting my medicine. Like, I really thought cocaine was my medicine. I actually, like, I literally thought that cocaine was good for me. I was like, you know, Freud or, you know, all, all the other crazies out there like, oh, I'm going to use, I'm going to use cocaine to, to tap into my brilliance. And now being you know, as we record this today, a little over 17 months sober, I'm like, what a fucking shit show I was when I was fucked up. I mean, I can't even believe that that association was there. I get it. I get why artists um, and, and people who are involved with alcohol and drugs may think that I need this thing to be creative. And I know many people like that who feel like, oh, I'm only creative when I drink or I'm only creative when I um, do this type of drug or, or, you know, if I'm like tripping out on mushrooms and I'm just so happy that you're here to stay like you, you know, in your own way, what you're really saying is like, you can still be artistic and creative without all of that. Yeah. So what was the biggest difference that you noticed in the art that you created uh, post recovery? Let's take a quick break. Having been in therapy since the age of 12, I know firsthand just how powerful the process of finding the right therapist is. Going to therapy and talking things out with my therapist has made me happier, clearer, and most importantly, I have a plan for my mental health. I have tools to be able to communicate with others and also the tools to cope when life gets hard, which it does. So let me ask you a question. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time, 
Therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with the therapist. There's a link in my description. It's betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with the therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stress out about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. I don't know where I would be without the help of therapy and my therapist, but I do know that life would feel that much harder. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com forward slash Vasavi. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this podcast. Well, it it wasn't for, I mean, I, I had a lot of, I did well in my art career. I mean, I was young still, you know, but I did well. Like I, I had, I got awards. I was, I exhibited, I, you know, things were in some ways it was working, you know, it was working. And, and then, but then when my emotional state got more and more challenged because of depression and anxiety and the drinking wasn't doing it in the same way anymore you know it wasn't helping me cope in the same way it had and it just like things started to really go downhill so that my creative started to really suffer too so I you know started to feel mm-hmm. like what the hell am I you know what am I yeah. nothing's really working you know and and so that's when things got really really complicated but luckily it helped me to get into recovery so what the main thing that was really different I think was at first I couldn't make really make art. Like I felt like I had no idea. Like I was like, I don't know how to do this. And I don't see people that are doing it. Like there wasn't, now I feel like there's so many people creating in recovery. There's so much to, to take inspiration from, but I didn't have that. And so it was just finding my way. And I started making art that was very, and I'd always done this to some degree, but very intimate and very personal. And it, I didn't show it to anybody. So it wasn't about like, here's this photograph and I'm, I'm going to, you know, put it into a show or I'm making this mixed media piece and I'm going to show it. It was just in these little books and I would create these collages. And again, they were documenting something or just getting like a lot of unconscious material, just getting thrown out on the page. And it was just a satisfying project for me to work on. And also it was helping me unwind. It was helping me reconfigure my life in some way. And, and that, that's when I started feeling like, well, do I want to maybe even learn more about this art therapy thing? And that's part of what it brought me to was that art is a therapy for me right now. That's what it's doing. And do I want to keep not only do that for me, but learn more about that. So that, that's when it sort of turned. And in some ways, I think that's a great thing. It was a great thing. But on the other hand, I also feel like I, I've often said this, um, part of me, if I could go back, could say, 
that's great, but still be an artist. Like don't give up just your artist self. And not that I did, but I think on some level, the pursuit of just being an artist felt like, okay, this is not practical. It was also my dad was very anti, like he was like, you gotta do something practical, you know? I'm so happy you said that. I am thinking about many of the women that I work with and also in my membership community, the Mind Your Own Business membership community, when I get to talking to them, right? I mean, I swear, like, I, let me just be generous and be like 90% of them confide that they used to be artists when they were young and they used to kind of walk around with their pencil kit and their paint kit or they loved, you know, uh, playing with fashion and colors. And I'm like, where did that part of you go? And I love that you brought up your father because it's so true. It's like, you know, it's the adults in our life who are practical and maybe never harness their own creativity that they put that on their kids. And they're like, no, that's not practical. That's not going to make you money. And so I'm grateful that you've chosen to go deep, deep into art and with yourself and now helping people in recovery um, and, and, and other creatives to really deepen their relationship with themselves. I don't know if you know this, but I went to um, music-based rehab. So my, my rehab center that I went to in Austin was called, is called Recovery Unplugged. Oh, yeah, of course, I know them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Recovery Unplugged. And uh, I was, it's the only reason why I didn't mind going to rehab, because it's like, oh, awesome. Like, okay, it has a 12-step vibe to it, but like, we play music, we perform, we're doing all these things. And I, I was just so grateful. And I think that's re in rehab, being sober, and being able to perform without having any sort of drugs or alcohol in my system is really where I learned to become confident in my skin. Like, oh, if I can do this sober, if, if I can do this sober without drugs and alcohol, I can do this. Like, this is who I really am. And so how are you currently, how are you currently helping people right now deepen their relationship with themselves? Like, what are the different forms of art? What are the different types of modalities in which you help people connect with themselves on a deeper level? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's a, that's a good one. Um, let me see if I can break it down. You can always interrupt me because <laughs> there's a lot of different threads. And I mean, part, I mean, my work is many, and I, I think it's because I, I'm a little ADD or because I, I just, um, I need to be multifaceted in my, in my life. I mean, that's maybe the creative part of me. So I've always teaching, I've always been teaching in some way and doing groups and I'm not doing as much at the moment, but I've, taught in different different places and 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 done a lot of that one on you know that that intimate kind of teaching work um and then i've done my practice which is seeing people one-on-one -on -one, and sometimes it's in a coaching capacity and sometimes it's more of a therapeutic capacity um and then i'm always doing my artist work so that it's like i always have these and i've been doing that for a long time like i always have like three prongs like doing my artist work in some way, working with people one-on-one, -on -one, and then I'm teaching and really trying to further people's creative and healing through that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one thing that, like today I saw somebody this morning and we, you know, struggling with grief, she's struggling with just different things in her life. And, and I had her do a drawing at the end of our session to really try to concretize something she was feeling like really make it more visible and there's this great Rilke quote you know Rainier Maria Rilke mm -hmm. um, the writer and poet and he says we must give birth to our images 
they are the future waiting to be born. And I, and I always bring that concept in because I think that art makes things visible and then it helps us follow the path to the dream, follow the path to the vision, follow the path to what we want to create in our lives and make real, tangible, you know? And so I do that a lot with people, trying to help them like hone their vision. And I think especially people dealing with trauma and grief and addiction, you know, that often we lose, we can lose some of that center. We can lose that feeling for really caught up in the negative cycles, the feeling that we have agency and that feeling of really following our true, our true values or our, our real, you know, following who we are and what we really love and what we feel like is our purpose in life. So I'm often just trying to help people come back to that through a creative lens in some way, whether it's that they're an artist and how do you be more dedicated and pure to your creative life, or they're not necessarily an artist, but they're that they have the capacity to be more um, creative in the way they're thinking or the way that they're, they're building their life. And so it can be, it's, I mean, it's, it's multidisciplinary too, how I work. I mean, sometimes I, I do movement and dance and I also work with visual art and photography and mixed media and drawing. And, you know, sometimes that's like live with people or if they have materials in there, they do it themselves. Um, I've done performances with people and help them create performances and um, creative writing and like writing out their stories or poetry. So I like to just jump around and um, yeah, so then I'm making a documentary film right now. So I'm, you know, also like that's another big thing for me is like film. And I have someone I'm supervising right now that's doing film as a therapy and like helping people document their stories through, through film and I'm supporting him to do that in, in his work. So that's, like, you know, really exciting. Like there's just, it's really exciting what I get to do in my work. I see you lighting up as you're even talking about it. And that's when you know, right? Like when it's so aligned with your core authentic self. Um, and I'm thinking about <clears throat> my audience right now. And I'm thinking about how I, I'm always talking about like, do the thing that makes you feel good, right? Like we, we're always taught to do what's rational, do what's practical, do what, you know, save up your IRA, your 401k, do this, right? And then we like lose that spark. We lose the thing that really gives us life. And so Talk to the person listening right now to our interview who's maybe getting something stirred up inside of them. And they're like, okay, so I want to explore my creative side. I want to reconnect with my creative side or, you know, that person who's thinking to themselves, well, I'm not creative, right? You know, like, oh my God, how I'm sure you've heard that many times. I'm not creative, right? Um, what would be the first step for them? What is the absolute first step for somebody who's like, okay. I'm kind of feeling dead on the inside. I know that I definitely have this creative spark in me. I just don't know what it is. What is even that first step to beginning to, 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 to begin exploring our creativity in any, in any medium? It doesn't matter if it's film, art, photography. I, I, I know this may seem like a big question, but I'm just curious to know in your years of experience, what is that very first step in, in allowing ourselves to explore that side of us? Yeah. Well, I mean, often the critic is really loud 
I mean, that, that's, that's often what, people's, what people get caught up in. And yes, I've heard it so many times. I'm not creative or, oh, I can't show you my drawing. It's so bad. It's so mm. stupid. You know, I mean, and I'm, I'm like, it's great. Whatever you've created is, is great because you're, you're drawing on something. Who knows what might surprise you or surprise me in terms of what you've created. So part of it is noticing that the critic is going to be there. I mean, okay, not everybody struggles with the critic, but a good majority, especially in our Western world, people are very self-judgmental, very self-critical, and they think like, number one, who's going to care about this? And number two, I don't want to make a fool of myself. That's mm -hmm. often the case. People don't want to look stupid. They don't want, they don't want to be a beginner. It's, all, it's also part of like, I think it's harder for men sometimes because men have a harder time being, you know, in that like, I don't know what I'm doing place. So I think that's to me the first step is trying to be surrendered and that and also links into recovery. It's like, you know what? Beginner's mind, you know what? Like let go and just drop in and trust. Because that that is what it requires is is being a little bit silly, being a little bit foolish, being in that beginner's mind and and letting it be very raw and imperfect to start. So that, that's one thing that I try to help encourage people, especially when they come to my groups and, and I'm having them step in to do something. I just do a lot of like, just the first color that jumps out at you or the first image that jumps out at you. Just start somewhere and then keep following the next impulse, the next impulse, the next impulse. It's, it's, a, it's really a meditation, it's like deep listening art in many ways. I love what you said, follow the impulse, because we are so trained as young kids to not be impulsive. Stand in line, raise your hand, don't speak unless you're spoken to, right? We are, as children, we are wild and free creatures, but we are trained from such a young age to not be impulsive, to fit in that box. And I love that your approach is to be impulsive. And I love that what you talked about, you know, tying it into recovery. Um, I just feel for people like, you know, when I went back to rehab, not the first time, but the second time, there were people that were in, re you know, rehab with me that had gone to rehab like 17 times. Okay. And I remember one of the girls that was in, uh, you know, residential treatment with me, she was like, oh, I've been here 17 times. Like what else is there to learn? And I was like, well, you're obviously back here for a reason. Every single time is another opportunity for you to deepen that surrender. Right. And so I love that the first step is to surrender because we have all these beliefs in our head and we have that critic in our head that's like who cares i'm going to look stupid and so surrendering and then allowing whatever color or whatever it is jump out at you i think that you have such a free spirit and i think it's beautiful that you really teach that to other people and i'm just curious to know do you still have that critic inside of you yeah, definitely. I wish, you know, sometimes I, I've, I've made peace with the fact that I've done things at different times where I thought, okay, I'm really eradicating the critic now. Now I'm getting, this is it. This is my transformative moment and I'm going to just bury this. <laughs> it's going to be gone forever. Um, and no, you know, that, that hasn't been the case for me. It's at times it's been softened. It's quieted down and and because I'm really more focused on service, that's part of what helps me deal with it is I, I have to go, you know what, how can I be helpful here? And if I'm caught in my critic, 
and I'm caught in this idea that it's all about me and I might look stupid or people might not like me, I can't do the work that I want to do. So I, I have to, that's kind of my process. I have to reframe it. And, and when I do that, it really helps. And I think there's also been times when I've, when I've gone through loss, when I've lost people close to me, where it feels like, why do I even care about this stuff? Where I've really been, it's been suspended because I feel like life is so precious. We could, anything could happen at any moment. We could lose people, we could die. Like, who cares? Just do it, you know? But then when I get back into my petty notion of life, which happens mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty often, yeah. then it's like back there. And I have to, tr I think what I've learned is it's just, it's like fear. I don't know if I'll, ever be able to conquer fear. I don't know if, if that's even a good thing to conquer fear. I just trust like fear just comes with me. I don't let it run the show. And it's the same with the critic. The critic often is gonna join me and I don't let it run the show and I have strategies to work with it. I have strategies and I, I teach people strategies to work with the critic or work with the blocks that can show up for them so that it doesn't, it doesn't drown or inhibit that creative impulse. What's your favorite? Oh, first of all, before I get into what's your favorite strategy to uh, handle the critic, um, I'm so happy that you said. I'm. I'm. I'm I, I love. I love that you said. You know, you don't wait for your fear or your for your critic to kind of go away. It just comes along with you. And I. I said this the other day on a on a podcast episode that I did solo. I said, if you're gonna wait to become unafraid to take action, you're never going to take action. We wait till like, oh, I'll just, I'm going to wait for my fear to subside and then I'm going to do the thing. And it's like, no, hon, that's not how it works. Like, like your fear is always going to be there. It's, it's, it, is, it is like there to protect you from looking like a damn fool, looking stupid. It's always going to be there. Right. And so with that being said, basically admitting and acknowledging that our fear and our critic will live with us for the rest of our lives. And in spite of that, we have to continue to do it anyway. What's one of your favorite uh, foolproof strategies that, you know, it doesn't have to be foolproof, but you know, what, are, what, are, what is one of your strategies that, uh, that works for you whenever you're dealing with your inner critic and your fear? Yeah, I love that foolproof, right? Because, because it's, um, yeah. But it's not. <laughs> Yeah, I know, because it really isn't, but, yeah. but there are things that work better than others. Um, one of the things I think that works is, uh, again, like I already said, that piece about switching the mindset, thinking about, okay, how, I mean, this is something I've used again and again, I'm going out and giving a talk, or I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to even, I've been teaching forever, but sometimes when I head into a workshop or whatever I'm teaching, I, just the nerves show up, is that doing some kind of prayer or mantra or something to to just say okay let me let me be of service let me you know please take away my fear and help direct me to the next right action or just help me be just showing up in a way that's going to help somebody so doing that really is a practice that I've learned over time and it really switches my my brain to a different place and it can help me ride the fear with less or the critic attack with, with more ease. It smooths it out. Um, the other thing is having people supporting, you know, yeah. just having accountability to somebody else, like maybe talking to somebody before I jump into something scary or something difficult. And after the fact, even after the fact, sometimes is more important for me 
if I've done something where I felt exposed in some way or tried something new, performance or an event or again a talk or you know etc i need a little bit of like a reality check sometimes afterwards i need some hey hey that was you know how did that go like give me a little feel like getting a little feedback so that my brain isn't like oh sh i forgot that or oh that wasn't so you know that i can hear some someone else's positive experience of it and or just someone that I can talk to and say, hey, this is going on, my critic's really loud, and for them just to help me get back to center in some way. So, so to me, it's both like my own coaching, but also really support, really vital for me and the, others. The community piece, you know, I push it so hard. I push it on the podcast, I push it on my social media, and um, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I don't think my audience knows this, maybe I have shared this, but only in my recovery have I really seen or acknowledged the value of community because I'm a, I'm a lone wolf, right? I've, I've prided myself on being a lone wolf, which I think inevitably led me down some pretty dark paths because I didn't reach out when I needed help. And now with the amount of time, you know, and I'm still a baby in recovery. Some would say I'm still a baby in recovery, right? 17 months is nothing compared to like what you have, but we're not comparing. The point is here is uh, only through my sobriety and staying sober in it, not just getting sober, but staying sober, right? That's the hardest part is to stay it. Um, I feel like I would not be here. I would not be where I am today without a community and not just a sober, but just like people that will call me out, will support my goals who, whose number one intention is to see me win and celebrate me and just have, you know, have, have my success be, be the thing that they're rooting for. Right. And so it's like, it's so important that we have that community because left to our own devices, right. We will always convince ourselves not to do the thing, whatever that thing is. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey there, this is Vasavi and my membership community, Mind Your Own Business, is the official sponsor of the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. Have you been looking for a community of people who get you, who think like you, and who are determined to becoming the person they were born to be? I'm talking no fluff, direct, real, and a raw community of people who are open-minded and willing to be honest with themselves and be the ultimate creators of their own life then I'm inviting you to join my subscription-based membership community, Mind Your Own Business, a community of people who you can turn to, to seek insight from, and give back to. And I'll be there by your side, leading bi-weekly, monthly membership calls that'll get you inspired, motivated, and on fire to go after anything you want. Join today by heading over to VasaviKumar.com. So I'm assuming you have a a pretty tight knit artist community that you reach out to whenever you're, you know, kind of shit scared and wanting to do something different. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because one thing that I'm, I've struggled with over time is finding the creative sober community that, mm. and, and I feel like I'm, I've, it's definitely coming more and more into my wheelhouse, but, but I feel I've, I've been, I've created that in many cases over the years. Like I started, one of the first things I did was I started a group for people in recovery. It was like a one day workshop and then it turned into a group. And then I, every year I would do these retreats in the Santa Cruz mountains. And I would do these art retreats and met it and my, my late husband 
another story, but he would do meditation and I would do art. And, and it was really about kind of building creative recovery community. And it was something I think I craved, but I didn't so much know exactly or have a lot of people that I was connecting with, like in a very conscious way. So I created it myself. Um, but now, because I've gotten into lots of different projects over the years, like for a while I was dancing tango, wow. um, nine years I danced tango, and then I started, I worked on a different performances, and then I eventually did a really, really significant performance about grief, and then that turned into a short film, and that film team and that performance team was so, it was so, so helpful for me, and so strong, and and created some ties that I still have. And then now I have a film community through the, the team that's working on my current film, The Creative High. And that also has become quite a, in many ways, like a tight knit group, even though we drive each other crazy half the time because the work is stressful. You know, but, but I think it's something that I continue to crave and want to have more of. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that's something that still has to be uh, kind of tackled, a stronger sense of creative recovery community. But I definitely have a lot of people I go to. I want to hear a little bit more about your film coming up, Creative High. First of all, love the title so much. I resonate with the title. Like the, the title, it hits me. It hits me deep when I hear that, the Creative High. What's the film about? I know. I know. I'm so happy with the title. It's so funny that it, it arrived in it's one of those things about creativity too that I think is really magical, which is if you pay attention, things come to you, you know, yep. times come to you, ideas come to you, um, impulses come to you. If you just give yourself enough space to listen. And it was actually, I, I feel like I told this to you already, but I must've told it to somebody else, but I'm, I, I'm having this like deja vu with you. It's funny. Um, but I was riding my bicycle and at, at the gym and or the elliptical or something and and i had been haggling over like what's the title what's the title we had all sorts of working titles and then boom the creative high and it was like of course like what else would it be yes um and it was it was all about the concept that creatives in recovery or creative people who have struggled with addiction that they find another pathway to be artistic and to live their creative life in recovery. And that instead of going to drugs and alcohol, like we were talking about earlier, as the fuel for that altered state that can drive a creative process, that it's the, it's the creative natural high. So that, you know, finding that joy of creating, finding that feeling of elation or excitement or, um, you know, just, just, I think sometimes it can just be, again, a meditation, like it's a peaceful feeling that we can have. So it's nine different stories actually of artists. So nine different creatives from different walks of life, from different, that have done different mediums. Like there's a punk musician, there's a, a performance art slash drag performer, you know, there's a um, painter and a sculptor. There's a amazing kind of dance performer, He's, Luis is amazing. You know, there's all these kind of different expressions. And, um, and so we're just really letting them shine and tell, tell how they got there and express their own enthusiasm and struggle, you know, with being a creative person in recovery. 
this is such an important topic because <clears throat> one thing that I know the women that I work with come to me that want to get sober or they maybe have a few days or a few weeks under their belt and they just kind of have this excess energy inside of them. I know for me also not using cocaine anymore. I went into a pretty deep funk. I was just like, cause I'd been so like, I'd been, you know, such an artificial the dopamine rush, you know what I mean? So chemically induced. And when I no longer had that, I felt really, I felt really depressed. I was really, really depressed. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I still wanted that high. Obviously I knew I wasn't going to go back to old ways to get it. And so I've had to find my own creative high. And I've, I've luckily found that like, I love the podcast. I love writing. I love speaking all that good stuff, creating new things, but the creative high, like for people, I understand why it's so hard for people to get sober of any sort, because it's like, well, what am I going to replace that with? You know what I mean? Like what, what am I, how am I going to get that feeling, that uninhibited feeling, right? I mean, when you drink, it's because you want to feel loose and you want to be able to not be so kind of rigid and you just, you know, how do I get that without drinking? So I'm really, it, I, I, I'm very grateful that you're here to really share that. Yes, there is an, there is a way. And that's by tapping into different, creative therapies, right? To, to feel, to feel those feelings because we can't ignore that, those parts of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is so true. And I think I really, that was very key for me is, is that I, I mean, at first I was super, you could say in some ways, really boring at the beginning of my recovery. Oh, same. Same. You know, just, I mean, I had a friend who was one of my creative companions. She was a writer and she was just so like, we, we lived in San Francisco together and just parties and it was just kind of had a we had a great kinship through our our wildness we could say and and I remember getting into recovery and, and one thing she said to me was oh my god like you dressed so boring now like my clothes became very I don't know like plaid or just a very monochromatic something like I just didn't have the flair and I just I couldn't bother with it I was like I'm just trying to get through every day without one day at a time without wanting to lose my shit exactly so i didn't have band the bandwidth for anything else i just i didn't care and um but then but then i did care right and then i did care then i was like wait a minute i still need to feel alive i still need to feel that excitement and and i and i think that people that i think sometimes people can deny themselves that you know that it, it can become this almost automatic pilot robotic way of like being sober like whether it's 12 step or, you know, whatever, whatever things that people do, it's just like, this is what I do. And this is how I do it. And I need this structure to keep my ground. And, and sometimes for some people, maybe they need to do that the rest of their lives just to stay alive. I, you know, I think everybody's different, but if you have that creative part of you, and I think everybody has it to some degree, but those of us who have it stronger or that really live that creative life, um, you just need it. I need it. I need to feel, I need to feel that, that fire, joy, that fire. Exactly. It's that fire. Um, I'm so, I'm so, I love that you talked about in the beginning of recovery, you know, that's what leads to relapse. I mean, obviously it's a lot of things that can lead to a relapse, but it's like when it's just monotonous and yes, you, there is magic in the mundane. And I do think for new in recovery, you need that. You got to do your, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, talk to your sponsor every day do that. Like we've lived such a wild life. You need that. Right. So like, I'm all for it. I'm all for, it's okay to be a little boring and be a little bored and be okay with the boredom. Right. 
because boredom would often lead, you know, addicts and alcoholics to do the things that they do. I know that for me, boredom was a huge trigger, but I was also bored because I wasn't in my creative zone, right? I was bored because I wasn't doing the creative shit that I wanted to do. So um, I'm really glad that you highlighted that because for anyone listening who's, who's thinking about getting sober or knowing they need to kind of cut back on certain things, or let's just be real. If you're getting bored with life, it's because you've gotten boring flat out. If you're, bo- I mean, I, I mean, I got to say this and I, and I want everyone listening to know I'm not talking shit about you because I've been there. Like when I have been the most bored with life, it's because I got boring. I stopped exploring. I stopped taking care of the way I dressed. I stopped moving my body. I kept eating the same shit over and over again. It's like, I needed some spice in my life. And like you said, we deny ourselves that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love that. Like if you're, if you're feeling bored with life, it's because you've gotten boring straight up and you're reaching for alcohol, you're reaching for drugs, you're reaching for some dude, you're reaching for whatever, the next high, but that next high, Adriana, what I really hear you saying, that next high, that creative high can only be really found from within. Yeah, exactly. And it's also this, there's this term that I use a lot and it, and it comes from a, um, a meditation teacher called Tara Brock, who a lot of people I might- love her. Radical forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, radical forgiveness, radical acceptance. And, and she has this concept about true refuge. And, and I think there's a book too that she wrote. That, and and I, I think it's, so, it's, it's directly connected to addiction, which is there's the false refuge and the true refuge. And to me, that, that the false refuge is often going to that fix. I want that fix. Like, I want to feel better now. Or I, you know, I have these, like, these habitual patterns that we just, you know, whether it's an addiction or just like a way of living that's kind of gotten into a rut or that isn't really serving us anymore, that it's, it just becomes this false refuge. Like, I'll just do this because, you know, I'll just do this because. Versus the true refuge, which is, is the nourishment that we really need to feel alive or feel connected to ourselves or really to, to feed our soul. And so to me, that, that's where art really comes in. Not to say that sometimes there's false refuge with art, because there can be for sure. A lot of artists, I think, chase the dream in ways that end up being very destructive or not aligned with who they are. But so I really like that idea. And I think that that recovery can really, we can access that, we can learn that. And so it doesn't have to be art, you know, but it's one of the avenues for me and people that I really try to support where we can really find it. I wanna, um, I wanna kind of wrap up with on this note. Um, first of all, two questions. First one is, uh, when does Creative High come out? How can people support your project? Great. Yeah. Well, we are, we have this, the COVID slowdown. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we to finish this summer. We were all geared up and we were like at film festivals we were going to apply to. And then it just went, you know, everything went flop and we all of a sudden couldn't work together in person anymore. And then we, our fundraising got a little wonky and, so finally, you know, we're getting really close. Um, we have to raise a little more money. So it's always about, donations are always huge with independent films. So, you know, that's one way people can always support, even if it's like 25 bucks, is they can donate through our website, which is thecreativehigh.com. And then there's a donate button on the menu item. So always that's a way to support. Um, or just, you know, get on the mailing list. If people want to just sign up on the mailing list through the Creative High, then then they'll get notifications when the film starts coming out, which hopefully will be at the end of the year or the new year. And we're first, we start with some kind of private screening 
hopefully in person. And then um, we're going to release it to film festivals. Hopefully, film festivals are still going to be kind of operating. And then um, it'll start being available to the general public. But, you know, depending on how people are keyed in, they'll be able to see it one way or another at a festival. Maybe I, I always had a dream of South by Southwest. But again, who knows when we'll be able to be there again in Austin. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's what's happening with the film. Oh. Well, I'll definitely make sure to link that so people can either get on the mailing list and just kind of follow the journey of Creative High. And, you know, I know COVID has really screwed up a lot of people's schedule, but, you know, I, I, I do believe that uh, this is also a great opportunity to make some tweaks, think about how you want to, you know what I mean? Like, there's always an opportunity in it. And, and who, I mean, I feel like a lot of people's creative highs have been coming to surface because of quarantine and because of having to stay at home. Either you've completely gone off the wagon or, you know, you've done some soul searching. So it's what, it's been, or, or you've stayed exactly the same. So, you know, that's kind of the outcome of what's, what's been going on. Uh, and the, so this, the second question that I have for you is how I always end the interview uh, here on the Being Human with Vasily podcast is, um, Adriana, what does being human mean to you? Hmm. I just love these, these last final questions, you know, that are always so, they're so poignant. Um, one, I, I've been reading this um, book about, um, it's, it's about actually money. It's, a, it's this woman named Lynn Twist and it's about money and abundance. Oh, and, the soul of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she talks a lot about indigenous culture and, and, it really taps into something that means a lot to me in regards to what is real. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think being human to me is, is coming back down. And I think it's about that, that true refuge again is what feels most meaningful to me, what feels most real. And, and that's also living in my body. I'm all for also, I'm a somatic therapist as well. So I really use movement and, and, and body-based work to like listen inside. So I feel like when I'm, when I'm viscerally like tuning into my breath or when I'm creating from a place that is not just in my head, but I'm also really living in my body and creating from that place. And I'm tuning into my senses. That to me is being human. That's being being in my real life. I just got chills as you said that. I felt something in my body too. Like I, I felt that deeply, even as I was breathing. I want to say thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to watch Creative High when it's out and support it. And I can't wait for my listeners to check you out and also be a part of your journey with Creative High and all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Vasavi. I really appreciate you and wonderful, wonderful uh, time with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Being Human with Vasavi podcast. For even more inspiration and motivation to be the person you were born to be, grab my free guide on the 10 must-have habits of ultra-confident women over at vasavikumar.com forward slash guide. If you got some golden nuggets from today's episode, which I have no doubt you did, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a heartfelt review. And remember, when you know yourself, you can be, do, and have anything you want.
If you love today's episode, then say it out loud. Subscribe, leave a review, and come say hi over on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. Until next time, say it out loud.